Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hey, hey, my friends. Welcome back to Fragmenters. I am here with Allie Wynn. She is a product marketing manager at Itematics. She's also a Zillennial personal finance creator. I am super excited to get this conversation going with her. Before we do, I would like to remind you, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps get us out there so more women can find us. And with that being said, welcome, Allie. Thank you so much for having me, Dina. Yay, I'm so glad that we were able to connect. So can you tell me us a too. little <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Well, I am, as you said, a product marketing manager at Itematic. So I do a lot of social media marketing analytics. Um, we are currently working on an a machine learning symposium right now that will be held at Stanford in November. So it's definitely crunch time for us right now at Itematic. Um, I'm also a budding content creator on personal finance for young people. And uh, that has been a recent endeavor, but it's definitely something that I'm super, super passionate about and have a lot of ideas for. And it's been growing pretty considerably and pretty fast, which is very exciting. That is exciting. So content creator on what platforms? On TikTok. Thank you for asking. On TikTok itself? (laughs) Uh, So you're not on Instagram or what's that new US-based TikTok? I forget the name of it. Was a US-based TikTok? I do remember that when TikTok was being considered for banning in America, there were there were a couple of them, but I didn't know that there was a new one popped up. Yep. So Triller, I guess it looks like they're about. I have to... heard of that one. Mm-hmm. So are you going on that one too, or just TikTok so far? I think I'm going to stick to TikTok right now. Okay. Not too many things on my plate. <laughs> yes, I hear you. I. Now, as of yesterday, work on 15 different socials. I'm sorry. I did not know (laughs) there were that many socials. That's incredible. I mean, I have fragmenters. I have three businesses, my own personal brand. And I also assist. We have a mom blog here for East Idaho that has hundreds of thousands of followers. So I have started helping with their content, too. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Wow. Congratulations. That's so many. The hustle culture is real. (laughs) Yes, that is for sure. So you said that this, you are a budding financial advisor content creator, sorry, financial content creator. Yes. How did you get into it? Oh, this is such a funny story, actually. So I've always been Uh, interested in personal finance. I have a lot of experience with financial literacy and a lot of opinions, basically. But what it essentially boiled down to, the the triggering moment that happened for me was my friend who is a software engineer at Google. So he's he's doing fine. But he he bought a $4,000 dresser from West Elm. Oh. And I immediately was like, 
I have to educate these people. I simply must. There is no, I mean, he is absolutely amazing, but his decisions sometimes stress me out. I think he pays $39.50 in rent or $37.50 in rent or something like that. And again, he's a software engineer at Google. He can do this. It just stresses me out personally. I don't make nearly as much as he does. So I think for me, the numbers are, um, they mean different things to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but woo, $4,000 for a dresser. Yeah, that seems like a lot to me, but I got four kids too. So I'm like penny pension. Well, and where I came from, when my husband and I moved in together, we were putting oatmeal and hamburger so that we can make it last longer. (laughs) Whoa. I've never heard of that before. That's incredible. Yeah. They actually do that in a lot of restaurants. That's why it's not always full meat content. They put filler in it. So it makes you full for longer. That is so interesting. I mean, compared to the dresser situation, my dressers are all like free or at least under 30 from Facebook Marketplace. I'm definitely thrifty. Oh, yes. Thrift stores are my jam. Oh, my God. We built Idaho's first selfie studio and almost exclusively everything was thrifted or handmade. That is incredible. Yeah, I think everything was DIY for our wedding too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it was a very, it was a very cost efficient wedding. Nice. Ours was too, it was in our backyard. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. Do you own your house? Yes. That is definitely something that I'm working towards, which is why I have to be thrifty. Yes. (laughs) Well, you have a, you have a goal in mind, so that's that's one one reason to save your money towards <laughs> so you said that you've been interested in numbers does that mean you don't have education in finance or have you started that I do not have a background in finance mm-hmm. uh my background is actually straight up in French major <laughs> and a Spanish minor I have no idea how I've had a career after college but I'm it's something that I've been very personally invested in uh, invested in Um, because my dad is he he was a refugee from, from the Vietnam War and so when he came over he didn't have a lot of these structures these institutions set up for people like him So Mm -hmm. it's been very important for him to educate me, educate my two younger sisters on ways to take advantage of the things that we have been given. So, you know, we have, if you have a little bit of capital, especially the possibilities for what you can do to make money open up entirely. Oh, for Um, sure. So I definitely have advice that caters more towards uh, millennials, but I, it looks like Gen Z is mostly interacting with my content right now. So I'm shifting, I'm shifting back and forth between, between the two. Well, I mean, boomers call us all millennials, so. <laughs> That's true. And the way they say it too, it's like oh, millennials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm a millennial and my husband's Gen X. He makes sure everyone knows that. <laughs> She's Gen on. I, That's like, not too bad. That's like right 
No, it's right there. And he actually, so Jen, or sorry, Millennial starts in 81. He was born in 80. So he's like there. <laughs> that doesn't my husband is exactly 21 days older than me and he is solidly a millennial. I am at the tail end of 95, but I'm solidly Gen Z. Yeah. And it's very funny how that works. There was, there was something in that 21 days that <laughs> I've switched the generations for sure. That's great. So were you always good with money? You said your dad kind of helped you figure that out. Did it come naturally to you? Oh my goodness. No, as as a woman in America, no. I <laughs> I spent so much money when I was younger because I, I think when you're younger, you don't really understand the value of money and which is why it's so important for young people to understand, because especially when you're younger, your time is your money. You know, you're working time-based jobs. So, you know, you need to see a pair of shoes as, um, you know, if a pair of shoes is like 50 bucks, you're like, okay, that's a little over three hours of my time, mm -hmm. or depending on what your wage is. But I'm in California, so minimum wage is, I think, 15. Mm -hmm or something like that yeah yeah it's seven that, bucks here well everything here is very expensive I would not recommend moving here yes I I love it here but it's definitely it's definitely a whole other world my friend just moved here from DC actually and he got a 2600 or 2800 dollar one bedroom in San Francisco he was like that's good right I I don't know what's good in San Francisco I can't tell Honestly, I couldn't tell you either. Oh my gosh, South I might vomit. <laughs> <laughs> we have a five bedroom house and we bought it five years ago for 170. That's incredible. Also, Idaho, yeah. which part of Idaho? Right on the the edge near Montana, so eastern Idaho. Oh, that that must be beautiful. I know Boise yes. is like popping right now. It is. That's on the other side of the state. We're in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Oh my gosh, a five-bedroom house. That I don't think I'll ever be able to make it there. <laughs> at least, at least right now. We'll see. Girl, dream big. That's what this podcast is about. We're Dreaming. told that we're yeah, well, not just that, but just following your dream. We are conditioned as women. I don't know if you had the same experience, but most women I know were told that we're bad with money and we're bad at math and we're bad with, and I'm here to say, fuck that. <laughs> I'm over it. We can be good with money. I actually was naturally very good at budgeting and I've helped many That's people awesome. with their budgets without any schooling. Like in high school, I sat down and was showing my mom how to fix her budget. Wow. So it's, we're here to say, and I love that your, your whole premise and goal is to have younger people learn about money. And it, it's imperative because first of all, like you brought up, your friend pays almost $4,000 a month. That's what you said for, or 3000 a month. It's uh, 3750 I believe. Yeah, thirty-seven fifty for us. That's a lot, but that's a very limiting belief, you know. Because for him, he's just like, "That's fine. I can manage it." So, 
I, there's a point where you have to budget and stick within your means, but also you can aspire for higher. Absolutely. What I'm saying? And to be fair, you know, he lives in a two bed, two bath with a yard for his dog. So oh, it's, nice. it's, and it's in a nice area. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not trying to talk shit about him. I'm just. I am. $4,000. Yeah, that, that's a lot for a dresser. Mine also, it is, it reminds me of Beauty and the Beast, you know, the giant armoire and Beauty and the Beast. Oh my gosh, I love that armoire. Yes, I got it on Facebook Marketplace. And I actually, it was when we first moved in together, I sold a bunch of stuff so that I could spend $200 on this like $5,000 piece of furniture. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is such a good deal. Yeah. I could not believe it. And I just love it so much because I'm beauty and he's the beast. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the way with all good relationships? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So well, I, I, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to um, continue on and say, um, you know, it's really important for not just young people to learn about money, but women in particular. Yes. Yes. So I was going to ask you why you thought it was important, but because you brought up women in particular, one reason I find it truly important is just because societal norm for women's roles is to be more of the home homemaker if that's what you love more power to you one of my sisters that's her dream is to stay home with her kids and that is what fulfills her and I think that's amazing but the issue I've seen that comes of that is the ignorance to finances because they don't deal with it and I'm not saying they're ignorant it's just not their everyday thing and the problem with that is not just one spec one side of the spectrum is abusers. They're stuck in abusive relationship yeah. because they hold the money over them, et cetera. And this goes for men too. But another side is everything's perfect and they're happy and they've never had to worry about it. And their husband dies or he has an accident and he can't work. Mm -hmm. And she has no idea the finances or he has no idea the finances that's necessary to get everything running yeah that's a really good point I was gonna expand on the financial abuse but you're completely right if if for some reason your husband or even even just like your general partner mm -hmm. um, if they die for whatever reason and you are left alone especially if you have kids I mean I have very hard opinions on this I think everything should be in a trust <laughs> um, trusts are great I think everybody should do that instead of having a will. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think for so many reasons, women need to build their finances independently. You know, um, you know, we're uh, Thomas and I, my husband and I are, are married. We have a joint account for joint expenses like uh, rent, car payments, but everything else is separate. It makes it easier. We're being realistic, but also it's just, it's just easier. And, and we're saving for a house down payment together, which is huge. Yes. My husband and I, we've been together six years, living together five years, and we have separate finances completely. We have, you know, just like you said, money goes in one account, bills are paid, and then everything else is separated. And it just, 
works. And I think that's actually becoming more of the norm as people are educated on how money can be used as an abuse on either side. And I'd like to hear your take on it. You said you're going to expand on that. Oh, I, I just think that it is the reason why a lot of women are stuck in relationships, you know, like financial abuse isn't as visible as uh, physical abuse. I know emotional abuse is being, there's more talk about it in the mainstream media lately, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But financial abuse is a little bit, it's almost harder to pinpoint sometimes if you're in it, because especially if it benefits you in some ways, like, oh, I don't have to worry about it, or oh, I don't have to work. But you are still stuck in that relationship because you are dependent on someone else. And I'm not right. saying that dependence is necessarily a bad thing. I think there are ways to be dependent on people that work for both of them. Uh, and that's that's like a whole other conversation, very nuanced conversation. Mm -hmm. But it's just so important to, again, what did I say earlier? I said build finances independently. Yes. I think that's what I said. Yeah, very important. For and sure. young women in particular, I think that, I actually posted a couple TikToks about this, but it was like something about how to marry rich. And I was like, that is something that you should aspire to, but you should also have your own money. Yes. Like, like you can both be rich. This is, this is a possible thing. Yes. I love the, see, my take is the share quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but essentially she said, I'm not going to marry a rich man. I'm going to be the rich man. Yes. Yes. That's, I'm pretty sure that was almost a verbatim. Yep. <laughs> that's me. I'm like, one of my employees is deaf. And when we bought, we bought the biggest business, business we were talking about it and he was like oh Dina has we were in a meeting and he was like oh Dina has to go to a podcast and she has to do this and she looked at me and she's like what's up and I was like yeah he was like yeah she wears the pants and uh the woman she signed to me boss she's like you're the boss <laughs> oh you're the boss I love yep. that so every time I walk in there now she signs she's like you're the boss <laughs> I love it because that sign is also like kind of flexing your bicep. it is I love it <laughs> that's amazing yeah well I think my content is specifically tailored for I would say it's tailored for young women mm -hmm. because I think well in general younger people are getting absolutely screwed over by high inflation you know it takes like a significantly bigger percentage of your salary to buy a house now so not even just inflation but the the housing prices are vastly outpacing salary increases I think the median rent I think the median rent grew by more than tw twice as much as the adjusted income yeah. since like the 60s yes which so is absolutely insane it is our house. I told you we spent 170 on it in 2017. We had it appraised last year and it was over 350 in wow. four years. Yes. Wow. Wow. You made a good investment. Well, and we thought it was high then. We almost didn't. Like I said, we were together like maybe a year when we moved in and we're like, it's a little faster than we planned, but this is just the deal to be had. It worked out, obviously. But yeah, those are the things that our generation and especially the younger generation, because like I said, I'm a millennial, uh, has to deal with. Are you going to move in with someone faster than you would normally? 
because that's the way you can afford things. That's just. <laughs> I did. I did post something about how long-term relationships save you money. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that, but I'm not going to encourage anybody to make a big life decision. <laughs> right. I um, would not either. Right. Exactly. But I will say if you're already in one, very convenient financially. It is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been your biggest obstacle in pursuing this new endeavor? Um, I think because I have so many trains of thought when it comes to finances, it's hard to pinpoint what would work the best. It looks like the content that people are most interested in is how to live a luxurious life with, you know, on a budget while also saving for retirement. I personally am very passionate about maxing out all my retirement accounts because I'm a woman, so I'm going to live forever. Mm -hmm. Women live so much longer than men. It's ridiculous. So, you know, finding content that really resonates with my intended audience has been, you know, I, I would say a challenge, but I mean like a fun challenge, you know, it's a fun right. experiment. That's yep. what it is. I mean, when you were creating content, how did you figure out, was it based on what you were passionate about? And then it also happened to be very popular or... Um, or did you have to sort of figure out your content? Yeah. Um, and the thing is, everything has its own voice. So my selfie studio content is drastically different from my dry cleaners content. Like, it just has to that be. <laughs> because, you know. Right. So the the content is different, but I have figured out a way to utilize trending sounds so that it can work in most everything. So I definitely play with trending sounds. I found that with the dry cleaner, old sounds work best. Okay. Like the ones that were trending like last month. And with the selfie studio, mainly I get traction on Instagram. That's where I'm doing best with the selfie studio. And I think when there's like only one to 300 reels made with that sound, that's what really kicks off with the selfie studio. But everything else I have to use already established sounds. I love that. The fact that you know that and, you know, there there are soft, there's software out there to help you identify those sounds too that I have been looking into yeah. um, for, for my channel. So we'll, we'll see what works best for me, but that, yeah. How that long have you been perfect. at it? Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but I swear it's taking off <laughs> about a week. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So we opened my selfie, our selfie studio in December. So that's how I've gotten to know everything a little bit more intimately. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I think personal finance content must be pretty popular on TikTok. I think I saw something that said 38% of Gen Zers get their personal finance information from TikTok and the rest get it primarily from family. Yeah. Um, and I think I have just over a thousand followers now, which is super fun. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm really excited. I thought I was going to have to like, I mean, I am going to be very consistent with my posting, mm. but I thought it'd take longer, but it really took off. 
That is amazing. Yeah, I am not even close to that. Well, okay. I have 600 on Instagram. <laughs> but Instagram that's since December. Instagram is harder than TikTok. Although it is a selfie studio, so it does make sense that the content is perfect for Instagram. You would think so. And you're right, it is harder. I'll I'll get myself credit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Instagram is a lot harder, especially because of the new algorithm. Yes, it right? has been fun, really fun. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said fun. <laughs> very, very fun. Yes, very fun. So what has helped you most in deciding to take that leap? I think that being passionate about something that also is lucrative. I actually took the very controversial stance when I was a little younger and believed that you shouldn't necessarily follow your passion. And I know that sounds bad, but <laughs> let I'll me let explain. you finish. <laughs> I think that you should do something that you are good at and that you get positive reinforcement from. And I think that that is what will make you feel fulfilled and feel passionate about it in your different way. But for example, I am very passionate about fashion and anything aesthetically pleasing, you know, interior design, things like that. But I am not at the level where I can make that, you know, a lucrative content creation type gig. However, I am very interested in personal finance and am passionate about that. And this is this is working out for me. Mm -hmm. um, so it really, really depends on what kinds of things you're passionate about, how you can make that work for you. So I, I don't really mean don't follow your passion, but I do mean, you know, follow something that you are good at and that you can feel fulfilled doing. Well, I think it depends on the socioeconomic standing that you came from. Some people have the luxury of just going out and pursuing their passion. And some people like it sounds like yourself. And for myself, you have to claw your way out so that you can get to that point. So how I'm interpreting what you're saying is not to not follow your passion. It's to get yourself to use your brain and whatever it takes to get yourself to a point to where you can follow your passion. Is that Absolutely. more accurate? That's actually, you know what? You put it better than I ever could. That is completely correct. Well, that it's kind of been my my whole thing. I moved here 2016, making $17 an hour. Total mess. Getting divorced with kids. It was a mess. And I took the first job out of state because I grew up in Nevada. And I like threw darts and put in almost a hundred applications in like seven different states. And this was the first one that gave me something that I could almost live on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, $17 an hour is with two children is not, not a lot. So I moved here for that, but I knew with resourcefulness and with my inability to let myself fail, I would get to where I am now. I own three businesses in, in six years, you know, and in those, like I say, I work at a selfie studio, quote unquote. I spent the morning uh, between podcasting, I painted this wall and got to design it. 
Oh my gosh, that's incredible. So everything that I, thank you. Um, But I'm also designing, we have a whole giant room that's going to be different um, stations with Halloween. And so I say I'm working, but really I get, I am blessed at doing what I want to be doing, the interior design, like you said. So I love that. That's possible. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out all of my different um, streams of income. I think it's really important to diversify your streams of income, just like you have, especially, I guess what made me really appreciate it was um, losing my job during the pandemic. That was very much like I I had a part-time job before that at Kate Spade, actually, which is my entire brand. I love Kate Spade. <laughs> um, and I was working at a political consultancy at mm-hmm. the same time. So because I diversified my income, I was able to make it through the pandemic. Right. Also help from my husband, obviously. He's, he's amazing. And now that I have a job again, I will... <laughs> I will endeavor to pay him back we haven't kept count but you know I know that it's right well and sometimes I'm going to give your relationship advice even though you're not asking for it they say that um relationships you're supposed to give a hundred percent but the way I like to look at it is you as a couple are 100 percent and there are some times when you lose your job and so you're giving 20% financially, quote unquote, and he's covering 80. And instead of keeping tabs on that, there may be a time where he really wants a new golf set or, you know, a new something huge. And you're like, crazy that you mentioned that because he really wants to buy a D&D figurine, like really bad. And those things are going for like $3,000 right now. Right. And sometimes that's when you're like, you know what? You contributed, you saved our ass, and I will float the rent for two months because you have earned it. And that's how you do the 100% in my mind. I won't make him listen to this, though. So you don't have to. (laughs) I might. Um, hmm, You might have changed my mind. I'll let you know. We'll have a conversation about it. Yes, I would love to know. (laughs) maybe I'll set a limit like we'll we'll figure out a reasonable limit for him right and that that's the whole thing it's just huge discussions with financial stuff but sometimes my husband's thing is he loves he's like a teenage boy with his car he has a giant system in the trunk and you can hear it rattling down the road and that's just what he loves (laughs) and I don't I I don't understand why he wants it, but that's what makes him happy. So I'm like, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I actually have a side business with our cars as well. Have you ever heard of Choro? I heard Choro, like the food. (laughs) I don't think that's that's what you have ever heard of Choro. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's Choro. It's T-U-R-O. We rent our cars out on that platform. It's basically like, Airbnb for cars yeah yes um and they bring in a lot more than we thought they would actually really? 
Um, yeah, I think the monthly car payments on each of them are 500 and we have like four or five and and they're, they're, they've been bringing in like four, five thousand dollars this month was six thousand. So absolutely incredible. I don't, I mean, all that money has to be split between me and my sisters and my dad because we all, uh, we're all in on it together. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that it even covers the car payments is already incredible. Yeah. I actually, they have one for like RVs and trailers. And- yes, they do. I was looking at putting our trailer on that because we have a camper. You absolutely should. I was looking at that weird that you brought that up because I was looking at it two days ago. Yeah. Really, really two days ago. And they go for like basically the rate of a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if, if you, uh, a lot of people, they want to camp out here, but they don't have trucks either and mine you have to pull and you could make like five hundred dollars delivering it to them and bringing it back home just for the delivery fee yeah that's I love that see two days ago I was thinking about buying a freaking RV and and then I was like no we have nowhere to park it but now I want to again I'm not going to push either way, but I already have it. So it makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> that that does make a lot of sense for you. You should definitely do that. It's yeah. It looks very lucrative. I love that you are so because you don't have schooling, so you are just really good at knowing that you have to diversify. You cannot put all your eggs in one basket. The day of retiring on a 401k is gone. It's just, you cannot rely on one thing anymore because when, when the market crashes, gold is skyrocketing and vice versa. So if you have your eggs in multiple baskets, you're less likely for all of them to break. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm maxing out my 401k, my Roth IRA, but at the same time, you know, what, what if I feel so bad for the people retiring right now, because what if that what recession happens when I'm supposed to retire, just losing all of that money. I have been putting into my 401k since I was 18, as soon as I was able to. And this year I looked at it and I haven't since, but I lost $18,000 in a month in my 401k. Wait, and you've been putting in since 18? Yeah. So that was, that was just a little dip. I lost $18,000 in one month. From, from your highest point, right? Yeah. From my highest point. Okay. I'm not saying I, it, it wiped me out, but there's also, I just saw a YouTube video and he was talking about someone who wanted to buy a house and, uh, house real estate's always a great investment. But if you are barely making it, he offered another option that I had never thought of, which I absolutely love. And I'm totally using this when our business is on its feet. But he was like, imagine you make 60 grand a year and you've saved over 10 years, $50,000 for a down payment on a house. So you're going to buy your house and you're going to have your mortgage that you have to pay every month and it it's going to appreciate but sometimes there's recessions and blah 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 it's not guaranteed so now imagine you go out and 
there's like Craigslist for businesses. I don't know if you knew that, but you can Google businesses that are for sale. And there are, it's different, different areas What the name of, that's how I found my dry cleaner. <laughs> you must. Oh my God. I'm getting so many ideas from you. Yes. So what I actually did was my husband always said he wanted a laundromat. To this day, I will never know why I decided to look. We weren't looking to start another business. We just started the selfie studio, but I was just like, I'm going to look. This dry cleaner came up. It had a laundromat. It was for a steal. It just had to happen. But I digress. <laughs> um, what he said was go onto one of those sites, find a business that you're passionate about or that you're knowledgeable about that's already established. So his example is gyms. He is a workout buff. He already owned two gyms. So someone was selling a gym on this website. So he used that $50,000, the example, he didn't do this, but put $50,000 towards this, ask them to, so you can pay the seller instead of going through a bank. It's already established. He already knows how to run it. And if you understand whatever you're getting into, you know, essentially how it's going to be run. And when he did it, he seller finance, that's what it's called. Yes, seller financing. Thank you. He seller financed it for $50,000. He didn't put anything down. And within the first month of owning that gym, it made $53,000. Why so, was you so the thing is you have to be patient because there are either people have run it to into the ground because they don't know the business i mean a lot of people are are gung ho about being entrepreneurs but they don't know anything about finance that's why you're so passionate about teaching people because when i was a kid i assumed if you owned a business you were loaded that's just what i thought but it's not the case no it's not at all Oh my gosh. I actually, I realized that I like am a content creator as well as I have the car business, but mm -hmm. um, I don't trust anybody my age that says that they're entrepreneurs. I simply do not. That is a rule of thumb for me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. of course there are exceptions. Right. Always. But not only that, some people run it to the ground. That's kind of what happened in my situation. They weren't passionate about being business owners they were passionate about making money. And I feel that that's a lot different. So by the end, they told me it was causing issues with their marriage and they were just like, I'm done. I'm out. They sold it for less than what the equipment was worth. That's it. Wow. So you can find deals like that where it's run into the ground. Obviously, sweat equity is going to be huge to get that going. And financially, if it needs upgrades. But there's also people out there like your friend who's okay with spending $4,000 on a dresser. <laughs> and beyond where they just have made so much money and they're so comfortable that they're like, I am just so tired of this, this gym that has three different stations. If someone would just take this from me and I'd take like 50 grand for it. Because 
it's more of a heartache to try to sell it and make all the money and deal with the broker and negotiate and blah, 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 than just essentially giving it away. So I 100%, you have to be patient, but look for them because we got ours for, I think, a third of what they originally listed it for. Wow. Yes. Wow. I mean, I love looking for deals on Facebook Marketplace, but that is a whole other level Oh yeah, I am going to window shop businesses now. Seriously. And especially if you can get someone who's willing to own or finance, because then, I mean, you do have to have the closing and all of that. And there's, there's, I'm, I'm actually uh, working on a little course, not a course, but like a 10 minute video where I'm going to explain all of the nuances that went into purchasing a business. But there are so many things like you have to do closing, but also like ours is a dry cleaner. So you have clothes sitting on the rack that people need to pick up. So do you pay the people you're buying from ahead of time? Or do you wait until the customer comes in and pays you and then send it to them? And some of the things on our rack is like from 2018. So you're not guaranteed to get it. So do you pay 100% of what we could make or do you have to, you negotiate, you know, I'll pay you all of it except for 10% because probably 10% of the people aren't going to pick up. Okay, interesting. And stuff like that. So there's a lot that goes into it. You can't do it for nothing, but if you can owner finance, you can be out of debt and profitable way quicker. And then you have an asset making you money. Exactly. Buying assets instead of liabilities is yep. huge. I mean, cars are usually liabilities, but um, Not today. thanks to Toro and thanks to, what is the RV one? It's like outdoorsy or something. Mm-hmm. It, it is? I think it is. Yeah. Sick. There's a couple um, of them, but I'm pretty sure that's one big one. Okay. Yeah. Um, thanks to these new services, you know, they don't have to be liabilities. You can make money off of these. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's just a a little little tip that I've figured out in my 35 years. (laughs) I appreciate that. So I know that you said that you're passionate about young people learning about money, but how do you feel about women working in finance? Do you think it's important or eh? I think that women working in finance is I mean, women working in any male-dominated sector is really important, but specifically women working in finance, if we see more representation in the field, we can negate some of those stereotypes that, you know, women are bad with money, women aren't financially independent, those kinds of things. And I've worked in many male-dominated fields. I mean, I started off as a digital intern at Weber Shandwick, which is a big public relations firm. So, and that was in DC. Public relations is very female dominated, but everybody, all the executives happen mm-hmm. to be men. Yep. So even though I felt like I had a lot of, of voice, you know, there wasn't a lot of representation on the executive level. Yes. Uh, then I moved into, I was a digital associate for social media and analytics at a political consultancy, which, as you must know, is incredibly male dominated. I mean, both Um, are the marketing as well as politics. Yes. Yeah. Tech in politics specifically. Oh, my gosh. So many dudes. Mm -hmm. 
And then um, I moved back here to California and have been in startups, uh, tech companies. So I was at a tech startup in San Francisco first, and now I'm at an AI company. And I think the representation at my current company is a lot better. But, you know, before when I was in San Francisco, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is what the tech world is like. It's just a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And, you know, that, that isn't necessarily true at all companies, as I have come to found out, find out. But having your voice heard is one thing, but also the psychological aspect of being surrounded by men and, you know, feeling out of place is, is not to be discounted. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Not only that, but I don't know if you had this, but sometimes you just question if there's a reason. Like, should I really be in this room? Oh my gosh, the imposter syndrome. Yes. yes absolutely. <laughs> yes. I saw something recently that said, hey, you don't deserve your imposter syndrome because you're not a white man. So they didn't give it to you for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I actually, in one of my books, I read too many books at the same time, but in it, my bookmark is a handwritten note and it is, what the, I totally just spaced it. And I love this quote. Um, imposters don't feel imposter syndrome. That's it. Ooh. Right. Ooh. So if you're feeling imposter syndrome and there's another one, he said, and I love that these come from men because they are brought up differently. They, you know, they don't have nearly, I wouldn't say they don't have imposter syndrome, but they view it in a different way. Usually it's like a superpower to them. I'm finding out. Interesting. Yeah. Cause like this other man, he said, if you feel imposter syndrome, you're already in the fucking room. You're already doing it. So no, that just means you're pushing yourself to the next level. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Oh my goodness. You know, I will say that uh, my parents, you know, they they knew they were raising three daughters and they knew, mm-hmm. you know, we are Asian. So they didn't want to raise three Asian women who were, you know, sort of like the stereotype is submissive, you know, demure, like that kind of, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they actually swung too hard the other way. And now we're all very outspoken and my dad is very upset about it. (laughs) Careful what you wish for. I know. (laughs) Who raised you? (laughs) Yeah, I say that to my kids now. (laughs) As I'm raising them. So you have you're still doing marketing management, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Product marketing in AI, which I feel like could be a whole other episode because I've got a lot of things about AI as well. Oh, Um, I bet. I actually earlier today talked to someone who is a cognitive scientist and AI designer. And it's, it breaks your mind when you think into it a little too much. (laughs) Science and, and neuroscience have so, have such a big place in AI that like Mm -hmm. nobody really 
thinks about when you're outside of the tech world. Yeah, she blew my mind. (laughs) And we're, as a company, Itomatic is working on what's called the small data problem. Everybody's talking about big data and analytics and things like that. But what we work on is basically codifying domain expertise, like human knowledge, Mm -hmm. to teach AI models instead of just feeding AI models a bunch of data and hoping that something good comes out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more like how humans learn. So did you design the AI app on TikTok where you put in your username and like a picture comes out? (laughs) Oh my God. I wish that thing is so interesting. It's so cool. (laughs) I love it. So what would be your best advice for someone wanting to get into either pathway or both? AI and finance or personal finance? Yeah. Or just pick one. I won't, I won't beat you either way. I'm going to pick AI because finance, I truly believe that that is accessible to everybody mm-hmm. considering, you know, my background is in French. Right. I, I think that if you are constantly told that you are not good at math or science, I don't believe that anybody's wired for one or the other. I think mm-hmm. that when you're little, you get positive reinforcement for one thing and negative reinforcement for the other. So you, your brain kind of associates that with being good or bad at something. Yes. Um, I think that if you are passionate about something, even if you don't think you're good at it, you should absolutely go for it and just like, fuck whoever thinks that you can't do it. Because even if psychologically you think that you don't belong there because of all of the men and, you know, the the lack of diversity in general, there is no way that unqualified men are going to be able to beat you, a qualified woman, out of a job. Mm -hmm. And to the men, apply for anything because it doesn't matter if you're qualified or not, you'll get it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't have it both ways <laughs> I'm giving advice to both sides here yes I also like I heard and it really stuck with me that it's not the most qualified person that always gets it it's the person that works the hardest absolutely absolutely I think hiring managers should understand that more often hmm you know, someone can look perfect on paper, but maybe they just don't, they're not up to the job or maybe they just don't even vibe with the team. You know, it, that kind of stuff really, really matters. Yes, for sure. It's Soft skills than the, can't be taught. Exactly. I was just about to say it's more important <laughs> than the hard skills. So that's absolutely amazing. We're vibing. I <laughs> So I'd like to know what the best advice you've ever received was. The best advice I'd ever received is most likely, oh my gosh, what was it? I think I have it on my personal website that I made like in college. If you can, if if you think you can do it, you're right. I like it. Kind of makes you think a little bit, but if you think you can do it, you're right. And if you think you can't, then you're right. Too. You're right. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's kind of 
a theme in every one of my episodes, but we are the thing that holds us back. I have noted, I've been listening to a lot of the episodes and that is, very, that is very much a running theme. I was actually wondering if I could flip that question on you yeah. and say what's the best advice you've received, you know, throughout your podcast hosting experience. Ooh, as a host or like from you ladies? Because like I have some mentors that have helped me. And so Meredith Solo, she was the first person that I interviewed for for Fragmenters. And she and her best friend, Brittany, they have a class that teaches you because they've been in podcasting for years that teaches you how to set up a podcast, how to get on the trending list, how to really accelerate yourself. And she gave me what she dubbed the McDonald's drive through version of that course <laughs> to get my podcast rolling. And I actually hit the top 100 in the first week or two. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yes. So I definitely, if you're talking about starting a podcast and hosting it, I could give you a plethora of stuff, but mainly, first of all, it's get your shit together and have your trailer or whatever your first episode out before your podcast is supposed to be launching because it takes days for some like Apple and Amazon to approve you. And wow. yeah, you so have you to together and you lost me there. Huh? <laughs> you said get your shit together and you just lost me there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you got to get just a little bit just for like the first eight weeks. That's the imperative stuff. But okay. mainly well. I would tell you to get a hold of Brittany or Meredith and get their course because it really, really works. I'm getting so many ideas from you. Well, and I really think I'm in a group, it's called Apex. And one of the things they push is write a book because everyone's story is different. And something that I like to harp on and I thought everyone knew, but I guess not. And that's kind of something that I learned is that common sense is not common. And I know a lot of people say it, but when you really sit down and think about it, every choice we make and everything we do is because of how we interpret our life. Like you can be in the same room as someone and the same thing happen and it affects you completely differently. And because of that, how you react to things in the future is changed. So you could be having a common a conversation with someone and you're like, you know this x equals y and they're like how does it equal y because in their mind x equals z you know what i mean and so you think you're saying the same thing and you're really not and it's because of the interactions you've had previously and common sense is not common so that that makes a lot of sense in fact what 
you mentioned is very much about getting everybody to use the same vocabulary, you know, understanding. I'm sorry, I just got a slug. <laughs> getting everybody to be on the same page and using the same vocabulary. Thomas and I actually, we had a huge conversation during one of our date nights to write down all of our life goals, priorities, things like that. And we realized we weren't using the same vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Definitely, I could write a whole book on how to set your life map, but it needs to explain the words that I'm using, the terms, so that everybody can use the same terms. Yes, my husband and I love to argue (laughs) and then afterwards realize that we were on the same side. Oh my God, yes. That happens with so many of my friends. Yes, we'll be arguing and then I'm like, wait, do you mean this? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, oh yeah, me too. And then it's over. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I always think I'm getting so confused because sometimes my friends argue and I'm just sitting there like, is that not the same thing as what you said, but flavored differently? And and they're like, "Mm, okay, you have a point there. See, and that should be your book. But because not everyone sees that. They think that this is this and that's that. So they don't break down and say, what do you mean when you say blah, blah, blah? Exactly. And then even if you don't mean the same thing, the external goal, the ultimate goal, maybe it's to help people or to help someone. And, you know, if you're aligned on the goal, then you can do anything. Right. Yep. I totally agree. So what's the best advice that I've received like for job wise or from you guys? Cause I don't want to pit you guys against each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not about pitting us against each other, but you, your best life advice. You know, I hate, I hate it. Cause it's so cliche, but I'm going to go with Nike here and just oh do it. My God. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, But I used to spend my entire life dreaming and planning, and I would procrastinate everything due to overanalyzation. So I would never do anything because I'm so afraid of something. And someone posted on failure. Yes. So that's usually, if you think about it, why don't you do something? It's fear. It's fear of judgment. It's fear of failure. It's fear of, I had someone on here. She's a famous actress. And when she was a kid, she wanted to be an astronaut. And everyone was like, oh, you, you know, you little girl, whatever. And she ended up becoming an English teacher because that's what made everyone around her comfortable. That was a comfortable aspiration for her. And then when she became an adult, she was like, fuck this. I I am way bigger than this and became an actress. Oh, I love that. Right. And if you break it down, it's, it's a fear. Now, someone posted on Facebook today, it cracked me up, but he was like, imagine the first person to use a parachute. That makes sense. Right. You got a 50, 50 chance that this is going to work and you're not going to die. And then I, I love medical stuff. I'm watching house right now with my husband. So I thought of like the first heart transplant 
the first vasectomy. You know, these things, someone was the first at that. So is it really yeah. scary? Right. So is it really scary to reach out to someone and say, do you want to do my podcast? Or is it really so? Because trust me, at the beginning, I would shit my pants for even my friends asking them. <laughs> or <laughs> is it really that scary to email a broker and say, how much is this business? What is stopping you? And if it's fear, fuck that. <laughs> I'm just, I actually, just do it. <laughs> exactly. I My senior project in high school was on something called rejection therapy. It's basically supposed to numb you to, well, okay, sort of adjust your fear of rejection, showing you that a no is not that bad. Mm -hmm. And basically you go around and you ask people in your community for just like the most outrageous things, asking for free clothes or asking for free items or or asking for a free house if you go into an open house. Mm -hmm. Not limited to free stuff, but that is what I asked for a lot of the time. Yeah. And actually what it showed me was that people are very hesitant to say no. Yes. They don't like saying no to other people. You know, they don't want to reject you. So I walked into a store and I was like, hey, can I have that dress off the mannequin? And the lady was like, what, you have it? Like for free? And we went back and forth for a little bit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for free. She was like, I can't do that. But we're giving out a free bracelet with every $50 purchase. Do you just want one? I was like, Absolutely. <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you. So no, I didn't get the dress. But again, people are always so willing to help. Mm -hmm. um, so I got the completely wrong message from rejection therapy, but I am, I am a little bit less prone to fear of rejection now. Yeah. I actually had someone, they were reading a book and he had like the 100 no challenge. So you had to ask ridiculous questions, like <sighs> whatever came to mind until you got a hundred no's. And his questions were like, he was sitting in a Mexican restaurant and he asked if he could wear the sombrero on while he was eating that was hanging on the wall. And they let him. I was just about to say, that sounds like something they would let us do. Yeah. So <laughs> when, when she told me about that, we were designing a selfie studio and I have one area where it has like really nice high heels and blah, blah, blah. So it kind of looks like shopping. Well, I had taken my daughter to the mall and I was just the bored mom waiting. So I started in every store we went to asking them if I could have a bag. Just like one of their, you know, we weren't buying anything, just take one of their bags. And if we did buy something, I just used hers. Every single store but one gave me a bag. Okay, hold on. This is... This might be a California thing, but do they tax you on the bag? No. Damn. Okay. <laughs> we tax like 20 cents on each bag. Oh, wow. Yeah, we At went Target, to Washington. Oh, we went to Washington and I think it was 10 cents per bag. Oh, wait, that might be ours too. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, might be giving up wrong information here. I mean, it's still the same. 
Yeah. So no, they don't on the bags. And the only one that didn't give it to me, I just thought he was just really weird and uncomfortable or weirded out. Not he was weird, but he was just really weirded out and uncomfortable because it was like the super fine jewelry store where the cheapest thing in there was like $5,000. Oh, gracious. Okay. Yeah. And so I asked for if I could have just a little box or a bag. And he was like, no, no, you can't. I'm like, okay. So I got my one no, but seriously, we have every other store I went into, I think we have like 20 different bags that you can choose from, or you can carry them all and take a picture of like you're really shopping. And, <laughs> and it was good That's for them. Point. That's quite the photo op. Yeah. And it was good for them because now I talk about them. I'm like zoomies at the mall. They gave me two different size boxes as well as a bag. And we've been on like our news sources and stuff. And I let everyone know, I'm like these stores at the mall, they donated this so that you guys can have fun. You should go there. So there's also, a good oh my gosh, too. free advertising for them. Right. That's why I make fun of the one that said no, because he doesn't get free advertising. <laughs> Bad press. Name right. drop them. Just I don't, I don't even know their name. It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> so you work a lot. You have your content creating. And I know content creating can be fun, but it's still work. So yes. when you're not working, what are you doing for fun? Oh, my goodness. I actually have a lot of hobbies. I was talking to my friends and they were having like a little bit of an existential crisis because they realized they didn't have hobbies. Mm -hmm. um, I love to do so many things. I love to, well, I don't know if I love to meal prep, but like, I like doing it. Mm -hmm. It's not a hobby so much as a necessity. Yeah. But reading, I'm reading a lot lately on my Kindle. I'm reading a it's like, it's a Spanish version of a history book on the French Revolution. So it puts me to sleep within like three pages. You're reading in Spanish about the French Revolution. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and With your so, French degree. <laughs> yes. Well, I minored in Spanish. Oh, yes, that's true. My bad. I ice skate. I love gardening. I love refurbishing like I, I have a wall of mirrors and a hall of mirrors in my home. It's like, it's very small, mm -hmm. but it really opens up the space and they're all gold. I just bought regular mirrors off of Craigslist and Facebook marketplace and painted them gold. It makes the house look very big and expensive when it mm -hmm. is very much not. <laughs> and all things interior design, all things shopping. I'm very much a girly girl as I'm sure you can tell but I do spend a lot of money on clothes I should probably cut back do you thrift clothes I love thrifting clothes and yeah. and I just cleared out all my closets all my closets like my coat closet and my other closet and we're having a yard sale so that's I'm going to count that as another stream of income yes for sure <laughs> <laughs> have you looked into reselling from thrifting so I, yes, but I have so many clothes that are, it causes me anxiety to like have mm. to photograph every single one of them and then upload them. And it, it's much easier for me to just like 
yes, <laughs> for down. sure for sure it's so good to have a balance though and have things that you that you do for fun and it's not bad to make money off of your fun that's why I was yeah. going going with that because if you're really into finding the deal it's not bad to make money off of it or if you're into repurposing furniture reselling it for a higher price exactly I couldn't sell them if I didn't fall in love with them ah yes that's a big problem (laughs) (laughs) I definitely I think I was listening to one of your episodes and the person said that she didn't have many hobbies she like worked a lot and that's perfectly great for her I that was Meredith (laughs) (laughs) I um I think that I personally need hobbies Mm -hmm. to keep me sane yes well and I make money on my hobbies now because the selfie studio when I get bored and and that's a problem because I see it every day so it's new for some people but I'm here every day. And if I get bored with it, it's gone. And I get to design a new thing. So you can make it lucrative eventually. Oh, you know what I do when I'm bored? Another hobby is Zillow, Airbnb, just Toro. I mean, like the car service. So Mm -hmm. I can figure out which cars are making the most money for how much they're worth. Mm -hmm. Just... I'm really zeroing in on a location near the new Google campus in San Jose. And it's like not a great area, but property prices will go up when, yeah, when Google comes in within the next like five to seven years. So definitely looking at that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's basically all I do when I, I think Zillow and Airbnb and um, Turo are my most open apps and I'm a content creator. Right. Well, and now you'll have to find the ones where you can look for businesses that are for sale. Yes, I absolutely do. How could you do this to me? It's like window shopping, but for like businesses. Right. And that that's exactly what it was. And I've told so many people that and nobody knows about it. Like nobody knows about it. What is yours called? You said they were different. They were called different things in every. Yeah, I have no idea. I literally Googled businesses for sale. Incredible. Biz by sell. So it's biz, B-I-Z, buy, sell.com. How interesting. Oh my gosh. That is yeah. so exciting. And that's how I bought a dry cleaner. <laughs> I'll have to let you know if I go through with any of that. I don't have a lot of capital right now because we're saving for a down payment. However, they do sell our financing and there's no like, hard inquiry on our credit so that we can qualify for a good mortgage seller finances usually don't see perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or you could just do a financial ticky talky series about it that's true oh my gosh you've given me another channel of content thank you yep that's what I do I've given so many people ideas to make money <laughs> That's just, I'm like, you should do this. You should do this. You should be featured <laughs> on my TikTok. I should what? You should be featured on my TikTok. Well, I was actually going to, outside of this, I was going to message you because when I have my little breakdown of what I did to to buy my business, I was going to reach out and You were going to say emotional breakdown. I was oh. like, oh, 
<laughs> oh, that was yesterday. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but when I have my little 10 minute spiel, or it's probably going to be like 30 minutes because I love to talk about buying a business. Maybe we could do something with that on your TikTok too. Oh my God, absolutely. Because I could post like clips of it. I could post the summary and then direct people there. Oh my gosh, yes. There's so many opportunities for collaboration there. Sweet. And then if you're in Idaho, you got to make content here. <laughs> incredible. If you ever, if you ever come out to California, you are absolutely welcome to stay on our couch. Or <laughs> rent your car. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> you have a fat discount. Awesome. All right. So where can everyone find you, Allie? I am on TikTok at Allie, A-L-L-I-E dot invests. Very on brand, just Allie dot invests. And um, I, I'm on Instagram as well, classically Allie, but that's not necessarily a finance, uh, finance channel. It's mm -hmm. just for me. Awesome. Well, that's where I will find you because I do have a TikTok, but I'm not, I'm too old. That's what I get told. I'm too old. You're a millennial. <laughs> I'm still too old. I have. Is that from your kids? Yes, I'm, I have four, three teenagers, so I'm too old. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, Allie, this has been an awesome conversation. I am so grateful that you came on and spent your afternoon with me. Of course. Thank you so, so much for having me on, Tina. Awesome. You have a great night. Thank you. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. The right stuff. We put the hammer right down. Wanna be like us?